Uh, yeah, yeah, yo, yeah. The last time I seen you was in New York, and it was me. And you probably were playing video games for mad long. We were playing uh, video games. Oh no, 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 actually, that was a time before when Purple was there. No, 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 no. You just played me the music. That's when I was there. And we were playing, we were playing video games too. And you guys told me to sample some. Oh, that was that was the day that I got the Fortnite Imagine idea, it. and I I sampled the Fortnite song in the studio. Remember, we came up with that idea. I sampled it, made the beat, and then I was like, "Who should I put on this?" And I ended up putting like Yachty. Uh, I put Yachty, Ski Mask, and Young Bands on it, and dropped it on YouTube, SoundCloud. Yo, by the way, uh, welcome to another episode of Off the Record Podcast. If you guys don't know who I'm sitting with, I have the uh, illustrious opportunity to talk to my guy, Murder Beats. And um, I don't know if you guys know a lot about him. You probably have heard the tag, you know what I mean? Murder on a beat, you know what I mean? Which, by the way, I think we got so much to talk about. So if it's your first time tuning in or ever hearing him speak, he's been doing press recently. We'll get to find out a little bit more about my guy. But um, first of all, I'm going to just take it back. I'm going to just take it back. Let me just officially start off and take it back with, um, like, you're from Canada, right? Yes, sir. Which part of Canada? Because you got to break down the Canada politics. Because when I was, you know what I mean? I did a couple of Toronto streams. So, like, I'm kind of getting in. Like, I'm kind of, the guys are telling me what's going on in the scene. Your name came up a lot, man. And they were, they were talking about you, like, like, yo, getting a beat from Murder Beats. Like, that's the guy. So, well, I'm, from, I'm from a town called Fort Erie. It's like 30,000 people. It's on the border of Buffalo, New York. So I was born in Niagara Falls. Niagara I'm Falls from is Toronto. Like, nah, hell no. Nah. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't claim Toronto because I'm not from there. It's like, it's like being like an hour or two hours outside of Atlanta or New York. You, you wouldn't claim New York. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of shit. Like I always, I always claim Niagara and shit. But like me being from Canada and then like working with people in Toronto and Drake and stuff, people just attach me to the biggest city around me. You know, people aren't going to attack. Like sometimes people were even attaching me to Buffalo. Like when I first started coming up, the Migos were always like, man, you from Buffalo. I'm like, yo, I'm not from Buffalo. Because I grew up, I grew up like five minutes from Buffalo. So so, so the, the place that you come from don't have a big hip hop scene then, I'm guessing. Nah, 30,000 people, man. <laughs> it's a small town. So how the fuck did you get like pop and like what's the first big break or first big placement or or first of all how do you even come up with a name yeah so when i was coming up there was like a big like screamo band like surge in america and stuff and like america and in canada and stuff so there was like a couple like bands trying to make it and stuff and like i really wanted to play drums i always wanted to be in a band and stuff but like i just like felt like i wasn't getting better at playing drums so i started like making beats in high school someone showed me how to crack fl and then I was about to start putting my beats on the internet and stuff. And, and they're like, yo, like you gotta put, you gotta get a tag and a name because people will just steal your shit off the internet. So I'm like, fuck, all right. I'm like, well shit, I'm just gonna call myself Murder Beats because I'm a Murder Beats. And I just started putting shit on YouTube, like not even thinking about it, you know? Like my first beat, garbage, do it on YouTube. Second beat, garbage, do it on YouTube. Or not. And like, what? Is that first beat still up or not? I think it's private. I, sh I should put it back up though. But, um. So then when I was making, started making beats and stuff, all these kids in my high school used to listen to your boy, YB the Rockstar from um, the Bay, and he was signed to Akon. So I was like, yo, if I can get in contact with him or work with his crew, all the kids in high school start fucking with my music and I can start to build my fan base. So that's what I did. I started working with them. So I just started working with like random upcoming rappers in the Bay under y YB. And then I like worked with him on like, and Jay Stalin on like a mixtape. And then from there, like, 
Rocky Fresh and um, no, my bad, Rocky Diamond and Soldier Boy. That was like three months into producing, I had a Soldier Boy placement. I was like, okay, Damn. like that's like he's like that's like a, a name that people know. Like you say, Soldier Boy, people know what that is, you know. Wait, well, that, so so Soldier Boy is your first big placement then? Yeah. Yo, you know, ironically enough, and I know he, he talks a lot of shit about the, he does this first, 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 first shit, but like, <laughs> keep it real. One thing I do know about Soulja Boy that's criminally underrated, he's always checking for the guy that ain't popular. Like, mm -hmm. like he'll give that guy a shot, wh whereas other artists, they're looking at it like, yo, niggas might think I fell off if I'm like rocking with a nigga with no name. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like he always like mess with people like on the come up and stuff. And I think so. I was working with this guy, Rocky Diamonds from Minnesota, and he was working with him because he was upcoming at the time. And that's how I got him on my beat. And then from there, just like um, I wanted to get into like the Chicago scene. Chief Keef was hot at the time and stuff. So I started working with everybody around Chief Keef. I did gas and mud with Dirk in like 2011, 2012. Damn, I know you were going. I know you were doing your thing for that long. Yeah, like that was like that was like a big record, like in Chicago and stuff, you know. And then from there, just like started working with Chief Keef a little bit more. Fredo, like Fredo was messing with me a lot. R.P. Fredo. And then I was like, yo, I gotta get my sound in like Atlanta, cause I knew, you know, like Atlanta is like one of the hottest rap scenes. Probably is the hottest rap scene of it's all been time. The last ten, fifteen. Yeah, so I was always like, I was trying to work with Slim Duncan. I always wanted to work with Slim Duncan. Oh shit! Uh, hitting him up on Facebook, trying to send him beats and stuff. Then he he got killed and stuff. That was like early, early on. But um, so I wanted to get into the like the Atlanta scene and stuff. So I found these guys, the Migos, on live mixtapes, and they were just like an upcoming group. And I was listening to them, like, man, this shit sounds so different. Like it sounds so refreshing. Like I just knew it was gonna be the next wave. So I like hit up their boy on Twitter, sent them a bunch of beats, and then like they, they just like kept recording on my beats and stuff and then like they popped off and like they just like kept me around and like didn't forget about me they embraced me they embraced like having like this kid from canada making their beats like it was like different it was a different look than everyone else and stuff and then yeah man the rest is kind of history shit so, so so that probably takes us around to like what was it like 2015 2016 2014 yeah, yeah, 2015 yeah. was pipe it up that was my first big record which was oh shit pipe it up what's that feeling like when you finally got one? Because, you know, I, I think people realize on the rap or, or they see it on the rapper side, but like as a producer, you know, how does that shit work? Man, that felt good, man. Just to have something. And, you know, like in the time, like we were like, man, we got to make something with a dance. And like, we, we did the pipe it up. It was a cool, catchy song. They did a the little dab. The dab went global. Mm -hmm. Like everybody in the world was dabbing sports people, Yo, I gotta look up your, your, your discography, nigga. You got you naming all type of songs I forgot that you even did. Which is <laughs> that's how accomplished you kind of are then. And and that was when I got my first check for music. I got like 20, 30 bands. Like I was like, wow, like you know what I mean? Like all before that, I got I had no money, man. Like I wasn't getting no money on mixtapes and stuff. I was like selling beats through Western Union and PayPal. Like I was like selling beats from like hundred dollars, right? That's that's twenty fifteen. Yeah. Um, let me see what else they say you did that year. Uh, so you were working with me because you were doing other shit. And then I think shit just exploded for you then, right? Like, I, I think at that point, your name was kind of bubbling heavy. Yeah. So around 2015, that's when, like, I started with, like, working with my manager, Corey, and stuff. Because I was like, yo, like, I, I was building a name in Atlanta. And the streets knew me in Atlanta and stuff. But, like, I wasn't known in Canada. But the time, like, I never first went for the Canadian market because they were still on, like, boom bap hip hop and stuff. Like, the street music in Toronto was hip hop. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to make hip hop. I want to make trap. Like, 
Lex Luger and these guys inspired me to like start making beats and stuff, you know? So then by the time I started working with the Migos and stuff, like, like Toronto was kind of catching up. So I was like, yo, like I want to get into the Toronto scene. Like I want to work with Drake. I want to work with The Weeknd. Like I want to work with Party. I want to work with these guys. So then my manager started bringing me around the Toronto scene, started introducing me like Drake, OVO, Reps Up, EXO. Uh, I linked up with Party. Like we first worked in Toronto. Then, then I started going to LA with Party, working with Party. You know what I mean? And then me and my manager, we ended up um, planning a trip to LA. We were like, oh, we're just going to go for like two weeks. We ended up staying for like four months. I was like, I was like working with like the game, uh, Marion, Jeremiah, just like, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to get it. And then, but then, then we started like kind of solidify ourselves in the LA scene. You know, you're going to clubs, going to parties, meeting people, networking, meeting execs and all these people. And then, and then, yeah, just like I started working with party more. And then back in Toronto, I was working with Baca. And that's what, like, how, what happened with the tag, the murder on the beat, so it's not nice and stuff. I took that out of a song. And then kind of like combined with like me working with Baca and Party. Well, like Party, then we got the Views record. We got With You on Views. That was 2016. Yeah, yeah. You also got, um, you did Back on Road as well, right? Yeah. So so this is a crazy story. So this is a crazy story. So like when, when With You came out on Views, I was like, yo, like, I'm about to make it like I'm getting deal offers and stuff. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would have never thought that like- This was one of the most anticipated albums in like forever. Yeah, and it was the beginning of streaming. So it was like crazy, crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was like the beginning of like streaming and like the end of like the mixtape era and like the transition into like the modern day of, of music industry. You know what I mean? Cause like no one knew, like the labels didn't really know what was going on. Like it was, it was hard to be a producer. No one before streaming would tell you to be a producer because there was barely any money in it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Unless you were like a Zaytoven, where like you could be in Atlanta and you had like your like your like port. You know what I'm saying? And you could command a certain amount. Like you, they used to have this term called super producer, and, and those people are the person, the people who really they were getting money like rappers, but everybody else is just kind of like getting scraps and just kind of you know. Yeah. So then, so after views came out. Um, I remember Drake hit me up and he was like, yo, come to the crib. I got to play you something. I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be crazy. So I, I, I pulled up on him that night and he played me back on road with Gucci and he played me no shopping with French Montana. And I was like, I remember when I left his crib, I was like, holy shit, like everything's happening. You know what I'm saying? Wait, so, so when you, so you sent those beats to Drake, right? Um, so the back on road beat, I was in the studio in Toronto with Wanda and I was like, we were we were cooking up, playing beats and stuff. And I played the back on road beat. And he was like, he was like, yo, wait, play that beat again. I played it again. I'm like, yeah, it's like some like young Dolph shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it sounds like some like Atlanta stuff. He's like, yo, send me that beat. He's like, I'm going to send it to the boy. I think it might work for something. And then like Wanda made that whole play happen. So oh. shout out to Wanda, you know what I'm saying? Um, and yes, yeah, so like after those records, like he played me those records. I'm like, man, this shit's really happening. And around the same time, I sent like my first pack to Travis and stuff. So then, like, those records ended up coming out a couple months after that. Then Travis calls me to the studio, plays me outside in Sweet Sweet on um, Birds, and we were in there working on more music and stuff. Oh. And God damn. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at it, right? Like, 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 like you know, let's not just skip really past all some of these other songs, which are just huge fucking songs, right? So so, um, Back on Road, No Shopping, um, um, It's a Vibe. Right. Yeah. So look at, wait. So look at. So that's where I was getting to. So then around the same time, Che Pope calls me. I met Che Pope in L.A. He called me. He's like, yo, come 
come to come to the studio, come come cook up some beats for Ye. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. So I go over there, cook up. I stayed for like four hours, made like made a few beats, or whatever, made like five, ten beats, and I sent him the beats. And then the next day, he hit me up. He's like, yo, there's this one beat you made. I think it'd be cool if I send it. Could I, could I send it to Two Chains? I'm like, do your thing. And then that's how it's a vibe came about. Yo, uh, during this moment, are you kind of feeling like, yo, I'm, I'm kind of like, I kind of have like a Midas touch right now. Like every producer goes on a run. We're like, yo, you're everything you're cranking out. Like you're literally becoming the new sound because that's what it yeah. is. When, every producer, every great producer, they have a moment in time where they almost dominate the sound so much they become the sound. And um, I think that's when like to keep it real, everybody just wanted a PC, dog. Yeah, I feel like. It just happens in music where, like, you know, there's the new, young, hot, upcoming kid, and everyone just wants a piece of it. You know what I'm saying? And just like in that time, though, like everything I was doing, every song I was making, everything was just working. Like everything was like boom, 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 boom. It's a vibe. Then we did 4 a.m. with with uh, Travis Scott, me and Two Chains too on the same album. It's like everything was just like boom, 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 boom. boom. Then there was probably some more in 2016 too. Like, oh yeah, of course. Like, uh, um, Portland came out then. Um, no frauds, no frauds is a fire beat. Yeah. Damn, still got time with party next door, and yeah. butterfly. Uh, okay, so butterfly effect. That's that's 2017. So, yes. so when you link yeah. up with Travis for um, you know, for that, like, are, are you just kind of sending beats at this point? And I'm wondering two things because I'm definitely a pocket watcher. You, you say your first beat, like pipe it up. We're gonna call it pipe it up first. Like you know, you're in the game, in the game placement, right? Um, you get 20 bands what's the checks looking like now? Cause everybody wants to bro. everybody. So this is pretty much two years later, right? Um, what, what are the difference in the checks? And also what what's the feeling at that point? Um, yeah. Like I remember, like I probably got like a thousand dollars for the pipe it up beat, but the song made like 20 bands. Oh, you know? so that was back in money. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah. When all these records start coming out and stuff, then it's like, I signed my first pub deal. Like, you know what I'm saying? So now, like, I'm starting to get, like, a few hundred thousand. Then, like, you're starting to get, like, maybe, like, 10K a beat, 20K a beat. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's, like, money's coming in. Like, it feels good, man. Like, you know, because, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people, like, you don't really, like, think that, like, you can do your passion and make that much money out of it. Like, man, like, to a kid that, like, only had, like, $5,000 off of, like, you know what I'm saying? Doing shit back in the day. Now it's, like, you get, like, a few hundred thousand dollars for doing stuff. It's, like, crazy. You know what I'm saying? Off of music. So it's, like, everything was just happening. You know what I'm saying? And then 2017 was, like, no frauds, motorsport. Um, oh, shit. You did motorsport, too? Yeah. Motorsport, Fuck. no frauds. And nice um, for what I, drops then? Or is it at 2018? No, that was 2018. It's 2018, right? And 2018 was, like, that was, like, different you know yo so when when you're dropping off songs to like you know you know no frauds is a is a nikki song you know you have you obviously had songs with drake and also travis are you pulling up to the studio cooking it up live or you're just kind of sending out packs and you're getting calls like yo we're using this shit like you know what i mean Um, sometimes it's kind of like both like the first time i cooked up with drake in person was nice for what that was the first time like we cooked up in person. But, like we were always like working on some stuff, you know what I'm saying, here and there. Uh, with Travis and Nikki, it was like, you know, sometime maybe I'll go pull up on Nikki in Miami. She played me something, I'll play her some beats, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Travis was kind of like 
whenever I was in LA, I'll go to his crib. We 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 kick it, you know what I'm saying? Work on stuff. Like that's kind of like how the Portland record came about. Like Drake yeah. did the verse. You go, we should get Quavo on this. I go get Quavo on it. Then I go over, sit with Travis, get him on it. You know what I'm saying? That was 2017 too. So 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 nice for what, right? Like, are you like cooking it up in the studio? Ain't that pressure? I always thought that's hella pressure for a producer when you gotta like. Yo, like say they tell you a vibe they're on, like, yo, I'm feeling like blah, 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 blah. And you have to make the beat on the spot. Because how long does it take you to make a regular beat these days? Like five to 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't like to work on stuff too long. Like, I want to be like, I want shit to happen effortlessly. And like, I've always like, I've always put pride in my sound being like raw and like unpolished. Like, you know, like some producer will go and sit in and like produce out something and make it super polished. Back then, I was just trying to do shit quick. You know what I'm saying? Not really going back in on beats. Like, even like the Butterfly Effect beat, it was like 808 and melody, drums, 808 melody. Like, it was like, it was just like a loop. You know what I mean? It was like, I never really wanted to like go and produce it, do all this fucking shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Keep it raw. Keep it, keep it like, like if a rapper goes to freestyle on a beat, it's going to be a loop of a beat. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, just kind of keep that in, involved in my sound, you know? Ah, uh, so at but, this point, so go ahead. But now I feel like music's gotten like, like there's so many people producing and so many rappers doing shit. And like, it's like, and the kids are getting so good at making beats that like production's like evolving so fast. You know what I mean? Like kids are getting fire at making beats. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like the norm, like the norm, the normal for making beats now is like, kids are hard as shit, man. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yo, I feel like, um, I mean, do you play like, you know, any instruments? Like, so um, like I play a little bit of guitar. I taught myself piano, how to like make trap melodies and stuff, you know? Okay, okay, okay. So, so like, what are you seeing with like newer music from like newer producers that you're like, oh shit, it's up and because you know, to the untrained ear, they might just think, oh, it's a different sound, but you might be like, nah, the producers are getting way doper. Like, what specifically would you be saying? Like, you feel like the game is being upped on? Um, it's definitely the the game's definitely like like the the sounds are changing but like it's still the same game it's still like the underground sound is, is bubbling like you hear like the yeats and like that whole sound that like synth poppy trap like that's that's like underground soundcloud music now five years ago underground soundcloud music was like uh travis or something before then like you know what i'm saying so it's like the game is still moving the same it's just like i feel like with with me and stuff and and like us and like we're we're not the same age as we were five years ago so it's like you know what I'm saying? But like, I don't know, the game's kind of the same. You know what I'm saying? We just gotta, everyone has to always embrace the youth. You know what I'm saying? And I always like embrace the youth and stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's fire. Um, so at this point, I've always said to producers, I feel like, you know, there are, t- there are, everyone has to evolve. People always ask, yo, act, how, how come you say your name is DJ Academics, but here you are, you're doing a bunch of talking shit. And, and I said, listen, I felt like, technology was phasing out what traditionally a DJ was important for doing. Now there's a lot of DJs that still do it great, but you have to evolve as well. I feel like producers, um, and I don't know who we would say the first one is just being the producer, right. Became, became like, kind of like, okay, cool. But then you got to develop a brand that most, that's what most producers do now. If you have a run, like you have to like Metro booming, he basically dropped an album. You know what I mean? Metro booming is like a genre. It's like a genre of, or or a particular it's a subgenre of sounds that is very um, connected to him. That now he could turn into a brand. Now we could drop albums. Now we could take that brand and just 
go further beyond just, oh yeah, I'm producing a beat just to try to get a check. You know what I mean? Because it becomes a brand thing. Rappers have that, um, they have that advantage where a rapper is a brand by himself. You get what I mean? So whether he's like, he's on a Hershey's Kiss commercial or he's he's doing a show, people recognize the brand along with the music. Um, I think at this point, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I felt like you knew you were hot. You're creating the majority of the hot songs out there. And you then said, let me start focusing on turning this into a brand. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong. I, I, that's definitely true. But I feel like along the whole way, I was always like trying to build the brand. You know what I'm saying? Like I always had the Momo murder tag, then like with the other tags, then like with all the cosigns and stuff, all that helps. Like I remember like back in the day, like, I, like me and the Migos would be in a sprinter van. We'd go and do a circuit of like five shows and like I'd be on stage. I'd go, they'd push me on stage when Emma Smith came on, you know what I'm saying? So I had to get used to being on stage. I was like a shy kid from Canada. And then like after the show, I would type in on Instagram, like the, the venue we were at. And I'll go like everybody's post that took a video of this. And then they'd be like, oh, wait, because then they would go on their phone and be like, oh, wait, that's the white boy that was on stage. And then they would follow me. So I was always like trying to like build the brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so but definitely, yeah, like like I saw like an opportunity where I could build a brand. And I feel like a lot of that, like all the producers that definitely build a brand, it's almost like we treat ourselves like the artist. You know what I mean? Mm. Instead yeah. of being like the guy behind the scenes, it was always like like you know the producers with brands because it's like they're almost like an artist themselves, you know, or we are artists. How important is a tag? I feel like a tag is very important. You know I had I mean? a conversation with um, um, Wonder before, and like, you know, we were we were talking about a bunch of things, but what, one of the things that came up, I think they were talking about like producers of the last, I think it was like a Mount Rushmore conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he has produced a lot of great music and a lot yeah. of hit songs. But people and a lot of, like, I guess, fans and just people who are casuals, if, if we could use that word, they don't connect it to him because there's not that glaring tag at the beginning of the song or you know like you know metro has these like sexy tags that people know it's a metro beat but for wonder it's like you know it's like you know you know if you don't know whatever i i could be wrong but i do i feel like the thing with the producers that built brands through tags is because we came up on mixtapes and mixtapes were always tagged up by djs so djs were getting big looks and promoting themselves so it's like how do you promote yourself as a producer? You got to put a tag on a beat so people know it's your beat. I'm if DJ Academics drops a mixtape on live on live mixtapes, I'm hitting you up like yo, put produced by murder in the title of the song too. So then people know it's me. So then people can go to my YouTube, see the beats I'm selling on YouTube, hit hit me up on Instagram. So I'm sending my Western Union. Like it was like it was like a whole thing to like for people to know who I am. You know what I mean? Oh wow, I didn't think about that part of it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. You know, because it was like it was almost like we were kind of like branding ourselves like a DJ. Like, you know, we didn't have a voice on the record, but the DJ, the DJ wasn't on the song, but they had their mixtape. So it was like that was like the, the producer's way of having a voice. Mm. So, uh, um, so 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 keep let's keep running down the timeline of 2018, because I feel like that's that year. You know, um, that's that year that you're you're not only have you solidified yourself, you've solidified a sound. And I feel like there's a brand beginning to flourish. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, is Nice World the biggest song you did ever? It is, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Is it diamond? I'm looking at it right now. Hold on. Um, it's probably like if they recertify it, it's probably like eight times something like that. Jesus Christ! What what does a song like that do? And, and how do you, how do you even create that? Because it feels like that whole song kind of feels organic how it came together from even not only like you know uh, the addition of like um um like so, what did you sample on that shit? X Factor by Lauren Hill. Okay, okay, yeah, but everything felt organic. To even how it was, um, um, like promoted, everything just kind of worked. So, yeah, sure. How did that come together? Um, Drake, like I was in Toronto and stuff. Drake hit me up, told me to pull up. I pulled up on him, and like we were just kicking it, chilling, chopping it up, playing, playing um, two K and stuff. I was with my manager Corey, and then he was just we were just talking about how like we should do something with like a vocal, like a female vocal sample, and then my manager was like. We should do like Lauren Hill or whatever. And like, we all kind of agreed. And then we found like, we just came across X Factor and I just went to like, like halfway through the song, chopped it up and then just like added the drums and stuff. He was writing to it and we just knocked it out. And like, we knew like, like we looked at each other. We're like, yo, like this is special. Like, this is a special record. Like we knew it was special. Like, it's like some of the, some of those songs, like, like when you make them, like, you know, like they're fire. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nice for what? Like, we knew this was, like, out of here. Like, we knew it was number one. Like, we literally said it. Like, it was going to be a number one debut. Okay, so say, all right, I will give you a scenario. Say you're in a studio with random rapper B, right? You cook up something that you feel is so special that you're like, no, I got to get this to Drake or Travis. Do you tuck that? Or do you just, like, usually give it to, like, all right, we made it here. Like, like do you, do you actually allocate beats? That's, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask. Sometimes. But I remember like Wanda said this like in an interview or something way back that always stuck with me. It's like never try to hold on to beats for like the perfect moment because like it's better just to, like to get the music out there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's better to like have an amazing beat released than like sitting on a hard drive for five years trying to like figure it out. Because like whenever you kind of try to tuck beats, you're like, oh, this is the perfect for this. It like it, it might not work. You know what I mean? Mm. What well, was there a time you ever like try to tuck a beat and it actually did work out? Um, hmm. because the reason why I ask that too is like most of these beats are like great fits. You know what I mean? Like all of yeah. them, like I can't see no one else on on Nice for What other than Drake. I can't see no one else on um like shit. Like well, no frauds as well. Like except for those three people. Like you know, but maybe I'm just married to the final product. You get what yeah. I mean? Yeah, true. Like same with Back and Roll. Back and Roll just sound like a Gucci record. Yeah. You get me? Yeah. Have you ever done that or no? Um, I probably have. I don't I don't really know off the top of my head right now. Um, there was definitely like probably stuff on like Concho Jack or something that was like I was making. I'm like, oh, these are for them. I'm gonna wait till I get to the studio with them, you know. Mm. That yeah. was a whole moment in time too. Yo, around that time, I think I thought they were gonna sign you to OVO or something like that. Dog, you I was seeing you at pool parties with Drake. I like y'all were popping now. I felt like, yo, you guys were, there was a synergy and a Canadian synergy going on here that I felt I like it was. That's the craziest thing because we, we're just from Canada. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy that like, like when you're from Canada and like you're, we're from a different country, man. We're not from America. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of crazy that like, you know, and it's like a lot of like big people in the industry are from Canada, which is, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible, you know? Yo, and then I think it's around the same time you chose to do, um, I think it was your first, like, you know, just collab, like, artist-producer tape, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Around the same time that uh, Nice for What came out, I did the the Smoke Perp project. Okay, I'm wondering why did you do it um, at that time, and also why Perp? Because you know, a lot of people can say, "Yo, you could have done it with like any other artist." You know what I mean? Yeah. You just had the pick of the litter. I don't know. Like, I just remember like hearing him on SoundCloud and being like, yo, this kid's fire. Like, I just liked his melodies and stuff. I liked his beat selection. I like, I don't know. I just, I just like felt an attachment to his music and stuff. And then when I was in New York, I like linked up with him. I gave him some beats. I liked, I liked the songs he made. And then like, we ended up linking back up in LA and we just, we just made the project. We had fun making it. You know what I'm saying? We had some, we had some records on there too. Like, I, I love that project. Yeah. Yo, actually, I think Smoke Perp, which by the way, I think, you know, these days, because this is such a different time from 2018, and this is why the music business is so hard. People uh-huh. judge you based, based on what have you done lately rather than what, what have you done in the career. Like, first of all, a lot of people don't make it. But these days, if, say, you go missing or, or you chill out for a year, people on your ass like you fell off the center. I think Perp is super underrated. You get me? Like, I've, yeah. I've always said, I think his voice and cadence um, I've heard, I want to say replicated, but I, I, I've heard that same kind of tone and cadence, like with other artists who have definitely succeeded too. So, you know, I look at him and I'm like, you know, I think he gets a bad rap a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Perp though. He's super talented. And, that, and that's the thing too. Like, it's like when I, like coming up with the Migos, I was like, I was like attracted to working with an artist with a cer- certain work ethic. Like they were freestyling on beats. They were not writing. They were not, I was not sitting in there for an hour, listening to a beat on repeat. Like, you know what I'm saying? So when you start to like work with a lot of people, you see how people work and it's like, I don't know if I got ADD or some shit, but I'm like, man, like, I, like, I don't like just sitting there on one thing. I want to just do it, move on, do it, move on. So like working with party, he was like, he could freestyle, go crazy, snapping on shit. Ooh. I loved working with Juice World, go crazy, snapping on shit. YNW Melly going crazy, snapping on shit. And like Perp was the same way. Like I could cook up a beat. He could pull up the beat. I could put my headphones on, make the next beat. And he's doing the song. Like, it's like, it's like a workflow. That's how me and Quavo work. You know what I'm saying? Me and party work like that. And that's just how I like to work. You know, so um, I'm, I'm wondering, who, who do you think is like the most impressive artist in studio? Because you named a couple of people I've heard tremendous things about, like for Juice, Melia. I hear those people when they're in the studio, they're dropping like literally 50 points. Every track going off quick with it. I'm wondering, who have you worked with that, that you've been just so impressed or like just blew your mind? Like, yo, this motherfucker is just crazy out of here. Definitely like pretty much everyone I named, man, honestly, like, like Juice World, he could just like freestyle, like one take full songs and stuff, which is like amazing. And, and, and Melly like had like, has like the same kind of, kind of effect in the studio. I'm like, yo, this kid's crazy in the studio, got crazy different melodies and stuff, you know? And obviously like the Migos and like Future and Thug, they're like amazing in the studio too, you know? And, but and party too i like i love working with party because we can make like a crazy rap record and then make a crazy r&b record and then do the crazy this and that like you know what i'm saying he could do it all where the fuck is is party next door man have you seen him uh, i saw him like like a while ago bro i i need some new music from him but like he's just kind of like he just goes ghost yeah Which, he, you know, he's definitely working though he's definitely working you think so yeah, yeah know, he, he loves music, man. He always works on shit, you know? Yeah, I, I actually got to pull up on him and drop off a new pack or something. No, for real. I seen him on live not too long ago, and um, and, and pretty much like he was giving an update on music or whatever the case is. Um, 
so after having a record like Nice Floor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how does the conversation change? Because if there was such a thing or or such a record that could put you in that top tier group of being what they would call a super producer, that's the record that would do it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what changes at that point that wasn't happening for the last two years? Even though we both acknowledge that the last two years before 2018, your shit was going up, you know, just consistently. But what happens once once you get a number one record that big? I forgot how many weeks it probably lasted for, but what happens? Um, just like I don't know, just like life changes, man. You know what I'm saying? Like the bag changes, everything changes, the way people look at you. I feel like you're looked at on like a different level now. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like the upcoming kid, you know? At this point, it's like 2018. I've been making beats since like 2011, 2012, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like probably like how old I was honestly like 23 or something mm. 24 I don't know just you know what I'm saying it's just like I'm just grateful and blessed enough to even get this far in my career you know what I'm saying because a lot of people try making beats now and stuff you know like back in the day like there wasn't a lot of people making beats there wasn't a lot of YouTube tutorial videos now it's like there's it's everywhere you know what I'm saying oh b- being by the a way- producer is like normalized now you're right about that hey I think we've already solved the fucking um, drama behind it, but I'm wondering if you had any extra drama to, 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 to tell me about with the motorsport record. Cause I remember being on everyday struggle. That was such a big deal with the whole like Nikki and Cardi, like people have, that, that was a good, everyday struggle was a good time, man. <laughs> that was a good, Did you watch, did you watch those episodes? I used to watch that shit all the time. That was, that was a good moment for like hip hop and stuff, man. That was good. You know what's crazy? I got a random, like, I had the, somebody randomly, I still don't know to this day, somebody randomly sent me the leaked version that was recorded before the version was changed. How much are you involved in, like, a situation like that? Like, say you do a record, it doesn't have to be that, but, like, you do a record and say, um, I don't know, an artist wants to take another artist off or people want to edit it, whatever the case is. Do they come to you to be like, yo, hey, do they give you a heads up, they ask you permission, or sometimes you're like, nah, as long as I know they're going to, use it i hear it when it comes out um i don't know they if, if it's my record or something they might come to me if not they might just like update their verse you know what i'm saying like it definitely it definitely happens in music you know but um with that record i remember we made that record in new york at quad i really? was like i was like with the migos and stuff i was with quavo and i pulled up that beat i made the beat that beat was called six anthem <laughs> I made the beat in Toronto on like a Bose speaker in my boy's condo. And like, I like, you know, I just thought it was going to be like a smash for, for Drake or somebody, but uh, I ended up going to New York. I pulled it up for Quavo and he just, he wrapped the whole motorsport shit on. I was like, this shit's fucking out of here. And so I had the balance. It was just Quavo. I was like, this song is so far. I used to ride in the whip, play that shit. And then I remember I came back, I came to Atlanta and he just played me the record with Cardi and Nikki on. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how do you, how do you even do this? Oh, so, 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 uh, originally, it was a Quavo. Record. I forgot whose record did it end up being. What it was a Migos. Migos. Yeah, it was Migos. Okay, okay, so it made sense. So, so basically, Quavo probably took it to the, the other two, and then they want to get Nicki on it. And obviously, you know, um, if Nicki's hopping on it, you know, Cardi's mar- married to somebody. All right, cool. Um, I'm, I'm looking at some more of these like production credits. I didn't even know you did Rap Star. Yeah, that was yeah. You did Rap Star by Polo G, which. I'm gonna be honest with you, I thought that was one of the biggest sleeper records that ever went number one. Like for me, I didn't hear it as smash out the gate. You know what I mean? Like when I f- first heard a record, first hear a record, I could tell like, oh, this shit's about to go. That mm-hmm. shit, it just kept lasting and lasting and lasting and lasting. And it felt like it just never got old. What was it like working with Polo G? 
Um, me and Polo, we started working like a, like a few years ago and stuff. I kept hearing about him and stuff. And one of my boys around me was like, he he makes beats. He was like, Nas was like, yo, man, like I got to get in with him and shit. So we ended up setting up a session for them. And then I ended up pulling up on him. And then we started working a lot. But then, um, yeah, we made we made the Rap Star song in Toronto during OVO Fest. And then I wanted, I was, I set up a session for Polo and Offset. I was trying to get them both on a record together. But then, um, yeah, I don't know. Just like um, he posted the song with the ukulele kid and stuff. And then they ended up like changing the beat and stuff. So, but it was the same record. Yeah, yeah, he has like co-production on that too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. Because yeah, so they, they like, they tried to like swap out the beat and stuff. And I was just like, oh, well, like it's still like, our record and stuff. They try to like carve me out and stuff, but then I don't know. We got it all sorted out. So wait, wait. so well, the final record we hear, I, I'm, I really didn't know. I forgot about this part. So that little little guitar thing the dude plays, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Inner's Bangs. That's the melody that they use, but the drums are yours. No, so they redid the whole beat. They redid the whole beat. So like pretty much, I don't know. I don't know how like it really happened, but. He probably was like, yo, I want to like promote a song off my off my next album, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They play the song, plays along to the ukulele, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. They they like I like the beat that they did on it. You know what I'm saying? They definitely made the record. But that was my, me and my manager's favorite record that we had with Polo. Like we were like, yo, this is about to be crazy, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't going to drop a deluxe. He was going to save it, whatever. And then they ended up releasing it on like a new beat inspired by the original. Wait, so so how does that work? And, and and I'm wondering because I remember seeing some Instagram stuff about that too. And I'm wondering, I'm like, damn, would you does that ruin your relationship with, with Polo? Is he not involved? Is it just a business thing between like you know the label and, and, and your people and their people? Like, how does that get a result? It's kind of it's kind of like a business thing, but at the end of the day, it's like you know what I'm saying? I feel like I don't know, it's like it is what it is at the end of the day. It's like, it's like if me and you make a record and you write it and then I go take it over here and then I get someone else to cut it. It's like, you're going to be like, yo, I want to pee. Like, you, you, that's my shit. You know what I'm saying? That's the song we made together. Well, what's the difference between, say they say, oh no, we sampled your beat rather than you produce it with us. I don't know if there's a difference. Is it? And they're like, yeah, we sampled the melody that you had and your, your beat, but it's pretty much like interpolation where we just remade it. The is, whole that's, thing. So yeah, that's what it is. It's like interpolation. Okay. But, but you, the thing is like business, it's like anything interpolated, anything sample, anything like that shit. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Everyone gets compensated for that. There's been times where like people have used lines from like a reference that I had that like I get compensated on like records and stuff. You know what I'm saying? That happens all the time. Mm. So, so is that, is that legal issue solved completely or are you still going through it? Yeah, well, that wasn't even a legal issue. Oh, okay. that shit got solved. Yeah. Oh yeah. Once I seen it on the ground, I was like, oh shit, this might go, might go uh, a little bit left. Um, but okay, cool. They also say, what else they say? You produce, you produce like so many fucking records, my nigga. <laughs> you also did, you did, uh, you you did one of the, uh, um like producer artist projects. It's one of the people I really enjoy, which is Shorty Shorty, super underrated artist. Um. There's four songs of his that I felt like should just have gone number one. I don't even know why they have. Like, he's just super dope. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm wondering, why did you pick, you know, um, Shorty Shorty to link up with? 
Um, kind of same thing. Like, you know, like I remember when he first dropped and stuff, I was like, this guy's fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's crazy hard. And then um during COVID, um, one of my friends from from Canada and stuff ended up like moving out here and staying with me and stuff. But he was always playing shorty and stuff. And I was like, yo, shorty's so hard. And I never really like linked up with him and stuff. So I ended up hitting him up. And he's always in LA and stuff. So I linked up with him. The first day in the studio, we made like a good evening and like three other, four other records on the project. So I'm like, let's just do an EP. Like, why not? We shot like good evening the next day. We did like maybe like two more studio sessions and did the whole album. It was crazy. Jesus. Yeah. And he, he's the same, the same way. Like go in there, just crank out records, like crazy hooks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was awesome working with him. Yeah, no, that that's like uh, he's just one of those guys that just feel like he's a super talented, and I love his voice. Yo, they, they say you did a you did a Vegas re- residency at Tau. Yeah, I got I got a Vegas residency at Tau Group. I, I DJ at Hakkasan and um, Jewel. Wait, so when you DJ, right? Which, by the way, shit, that's where I've told people I, I'm gonna get back into this DJing shit, man. But I need a residency or some dumb shit like that. Yo, so mm-hmm. when you DJ, do you play most of your records, or like you, you just kind of you just regular DJ type shit, just play whatever's hot? I'll play, I'll play like a lot of my records, but like I'm DJing for two hours, so it's like, and it's like I'm just trying to like make the craziest party. So it's like I'm just gonna play like big sing along songs. I might play some rock music. Like I'm just like mixing up and just making everyone like have like literally the best time they can have. Hmm what's like one of the craziest nights that you've probably had? Because I didn't even know you, you were doing like shows where you're just like showing up in DJ, which I think that's where all producers have to go. Um, whether you're doing shows like Khaled, where it's like, yo, I'm such a brand now. I'm, it's just me presenting my records and that's the performance, right? You might even bring out some of the guys who are on some of your records, right? But like there has to be a live um, iteration of what the producer does for them to fully be an artist just like everybody else or else they're just going to be sitting sitting around just trying to get like i mean publishing checks are great but like there's a lot more checks to get yeah no for sure and that's what it was like with me like i feel like around five years ago it was at the point where like people want to start seeing me and like when people want to start seeing you start getting booking offers and stuff and i never really wanted a dj i was like i don't know if i want to dj and stuff but then i got this offer i couldn't refuse it was like a new year's eve in hawaii and it was like a week trip so i was like oh fuck i might as well take the vacation and then just go dj and then after that then started doing tours and stuff i was on like the gez the gez tied all signed low uzi tour 2018 then i was with ferg before covid and then just doing residencies and stuff i did coachella 2019 it's a hard tent before covid i brought out like dmx Rich the Kid, tied all sign and ASAP Ferg. And I think like I had that shit so lit. Ferg was like, yo, let me bring you on tour after that. Because <laughs> we had that shit going crazy. RPX too. You know what I'm saying? He, that, he like shut that down. And after actually, after I brought DMX out at Coachella, that's when like he started doing the rolling louds and going crazy and stuff, you know? Wait, is, is, wait, so how'd you meet DMX? Um so my manager was like, yo, we should, we should like get like, we should try to get X to come out. And like, he had a connection to him. And then we found out that he was like in the Bay. So we ended up booking him a sprinter van from the Bay to Coachella. And like, he got there like 30 minutes before I got on stage. It was crazy. Shit. I didn't even know if he was going to show up. It was crazy. Yeah. I would, I would assume that he would show up. But what year was this? 2019, right before COVID. Damn. That gotta be a, a fucking legendary moment, yo. That was crazy, man. That was like it was like fifty thousand people. Like it was, it was legendary. Shit, yo. Um, 
you got a new record that's kind of super interesting, which I, I feel like, you know, you, you're going global on us now. You know what I mean? Um, you got a record called No Mas with Quavo, Anita, J Balvin, and Pharrell. And apparently mm-hmm. it's the number one uh, most added song to Rhythmic um, Radio. How did you even get that together? And like, you know, what do you think about this global um, music market? Like, I've, I've just watched like Bad Bunny just like do ridiculous numbers where yeah, he's I feel yo, like Bad Bunny, a secondary market for him and he's still killing it. It's crazy. Bad Bunny's like literally like the biggest artist in the world or some shit. It's crazy. I agree. I just actually, yo, I had to come to terms. I'm like, globally, like he might edge Drake out globally. And, but that just shows how big the Latin market is. You know what I'm saying? Like growing up in Canada and stuff, we don't really like know about the Latin market because our second language is French. So it's like when you're in America and stuff, and then you start to go to Miami, you're going to Puerto Rico and stuff. You're like, holy shit, this shit's huge, you know? But um, this record came came about a little differently. You know what I'm saying? It actually started with Pharrell. He had like he had this little idea with Quavo that Quavo would play me, and I was like, yo, this is kind of fire. And like, I wanted to like work on it and stuff. So then I called him up and he wanted me to collab on it with him. So he sent me everything. I collaborated on with him. That week I was with Jay Balvin in the studio. So I took it right to Balvin that night and he like loved it. He's like, yo, like, like music needs a record like this. He ended up killing it. And then I threw my girl Anita on it. And then, yeah, man, that shit just, it's out of here. You know what I'm saying? And through like, like me and Anita and stuff like she's been like showing me like new different culture like through like the Brazilian funk music and like I've been I've been traveling a lot and like hearing a lot more and like being more open to listen to like reggaeton and like the Latin stuff and like man like there's so much music in the world that's very successful like I feel like us like in the American market we're just always so just like listening to like rap and like what's hot in America but like and There's so like we got much television too. Like, like, like we're usually shocked when some other shit is huge outside of our little bubble. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, when I found out about your girl, like Anita, I was like, when I when I start looking at her social following and like you know, records she put out, I'm like, oh shit, she's fucking like huge. You know what I mean? But yeah, like, like she's like she's like Beyonce in Brazil, she's like huge, like super yeah. powerful. You know what I'm saying? She's killing it, like doing her thing. And like even like Balvin, Balvin's like the biggest artist in Colombia, one of the He's like, he's like the big OG king of like, of Latin. You know what I'm saying? It's like, these, these guys, these guys are huge, like huge everywhere in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a lot more than just like the American market. And when you start to see that, it's like, it's, it's very inspiring. You know what I'm saying? Especially someone like me, it's like, I want to stay fresh. I want to keep doing things. I want to stay inspired. And like, sometimes like, you know, you got to go outside, like to get that inspiration, you know? Is, is the, um, is there a, um, does the language barrier kind of like bother? Because you don't speak Spanish, do you? Or Portuguese? No, no I don't speak Spanish. I'm learning Portuguese now and stuff. Okay. But the language barrier doesn't really bother me. I don't know. No, it's cool. I think it's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm from Canada. I'm from a different country and stuff. So I find that, that stuff like interesting and stuff. You know, I just want to, I want to learn more. I think, I think music is one of the only things where like, even if you don't understand what is being said, the melody is an international language. Yeah, like, that's that's the thing. You you nailed it. Like like music is the universal language. Like it's like you could go anywhere with these records and people know them. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of that, it's like you know, America does have like the pulse on the world. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, when it comes yeah. to music and trends and like artists and sounds and stuff. You know what I'm saying? We do like influence like most of the world with like what we do here. Okay, this is gonna be a tough question. 
Um, just because I think you're going in this new space of, you know, I, I think your music is going to explode globally. But I know a lot of rappers, like, for example, a rapper might be like, yeah, I, I like making hood songs more than I like making songs for like, you know, the top 40 or whatever the case is. Do you mm -hmm. like, um, I don't want to use a particular artist. Do you like making like just trap music that, you know, like when you pass a club or a strip club, you're like, yo, I did that. Like, or you want to, or you like making songs more where it's just completely international. Like what's, what's just your intrinsic, you know, um, motivation in this at this point? I, I think it's like, I like everything, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love making an amazing trap beat. I make trap beats almost every day. Like, you know what I'm saying? I have to get it out of my system. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, a lot of trap music we've made went global. Like, mm. you know what I'm saying? I feel like I was a part of the time where like trap music became pop music. You know what I'm saying? Like that 2018, like, like Migos, all that stuff. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like rap became the number one genre in the world during that time. Like that was like the whole process behind it. You know, you also did Fifi, didn't you? Yeah. Jesus Christ. That record was a, that record was a monster too. I think that might be closer. To, I know it's almost at like a billion streams on Spotify. Yeah, that record's definitely gonna be diamond like this year, next year. How many um of the top of your head, what's your top five songs or top five favorite songs that you've done? That I produced? Yeah. Mm. I'd say nice for what? Motorsport. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet by Travis. Mm-hmm. I think buzzing by Party Next Door and Lo Yachty. That, that record's a banger. Oh shit. Okay. And I don't know, man. That's tough. I like, I, honestly, I like, I like the new record a lot that me, Quavo, and Takeoff have Hotel Lobby. I think that's a you did banger. That yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think that's a banger. Like that's uh, like that's just so good. Real. I, I feel like I feel like you got them on a, on a on a nice synergy where after people heard that record, they're like, "Yo, yeah, we do love the Migos on three y'all, but like if y'all do a little Unk and Neff little tape with this sound right here, we can fuck with it too." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I love that record. I love playing that shit in the whip. When I'm in the whip and I play that, I run it back three times. I have to. <clears throat> shit, so you listen to your old music then, right? Some some of it, yeah. Damn, yo, I, I'm looking sometimes, at Yeah, sometimes I don't really listen. Like, I don't like, like you know what I'm saying, being at a party, people start playing your shit sometimes. Like, eh. You know, like, I like to listen to other music. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when you're creative and you make your own music, it's like you get a different feeling from, like, what you make, you know? Ooh. Hey, um, um, I know you don't have too much time here, but I definitely want to get your Mount Rushmore of producers for the last 10 years. Uh, it's always important that I, that I speak to somebody who's actually in the game and they give me their, their Mount Rushmore. Because sometimes us as fans, one of the things I do think that we forget is collaboration a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, I posted Jimmy Cook's going, um, or Crooks, whatever it is, going like number one. And, you know, there were like two or three different producers were like, oh no, like we're, we were also a part of it. So like the producing seems like a very collaborative thing. You were just talking about working with Pharrell and how you guys cooked up that record and collaborated. Um, and, and it seems egoless. It doesn't seem like it's like, nah, I don't want nobody touching my shit because I want to get, get all the credit. Um, who do you give credit to as being on a Mount Rushmore for like the last 10 years or so for production? Last 10 years. So that's like from what, like 2012? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for 2012. Hmm. I'd say Boy Wonder. There we go. Um, 
feel like I want to suggest something, but, but I don't know if you got another one on the tip of your tongue. There's so many people. Boy Wonder. I'd say you could put like Metro up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Metro. Um, you could probably put Southside up there too. Southside's fire. You know what I'm saying? Southside is raw. Yeah. Raw. I don't know if he gets all the credit, but he's definitely raw. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd say you put me up there. Mm-hmm. Keith. And who? Take Keith. Oh, take Keith. Yeah, take Keith. my dog. You know what I'm saying? He's super fire. Come around, fuck this shit up, didn't he? No, he's going crazy. I think that's a good list. I might be, I might be missing a few. And by the way, there's a bunch. No, you, could put, you could put DJ Mustard on there too, because yeah, he had like he he goes crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was controlling. He was controlling music like some years ago. Like, I'm trying to think what what period that was. For a time, was like, he was on that nine summers wave. I'm trying to remember what time period that was. That was like, that might be like 2014, 15, 16, maybe. Yeah, right? I remember he changed a complete time. Yeah, Mustard's a fucking goat. He, see, and like, that's, that's a whole nother thing too. Like the same shit that we were talking about, like during like even his run, like he took the rap beats he was making and like went pop with it. You know what I'm saying? And then like controlled like pop music sound for like years. Still, still kind of does, you know? Shit, I would even I would even throw Mike Will in there um, in the conversation too. Oh, for sure. I was thinking about that too because when Mike Will was having a, like a lot of his his records, I remember it was before I was even making beats, so that was like 20, 2009, 2010. Yeah, uh, he, he's lasted a long time, and I think I think he did something great by not only having a sound but like creating a label that pretty much heavily relied on his sound. Hell yeah. Same, same with same with mustard. You know what I'm saying? Mike Will and Mustard both yeah. do that the right way. Real shit. No, of course. Of that's course. like that's like the producer blueprint. You know what I'm saying? Like to have your own artist like a like Timbo or like, you know what I'm saying? Pharrell, like like those guys. Internet money does it now. Like Hell I yeah. a collection of a producer, but but it's you could throw you could throw internet money in there, you know what I'm saying? Taz knows what he's doing, man. Yes, yeah, boy. I think he's a genius in the way he's approaching it because he's just fucking, he's creating the brand first and just running shit through it, which I think you yeah. just can't lose if you're great at making music. I fuck with Taz, man. He's, he's, he's a good, he's a good guy and shit. You know what I'm saying? And he's got good work ethic. You know what I'm saying? He definitely like built a crazy brand around the internet and stuff. You know what I'm saying? He, he did it right. Hey, yo, did you see when uh, Bobby Schmurda not too long ago, that nigga was like, yo, man, yo, these producers are tweaking. They trying to charge over 10 bands, man. Like, what's up with y'all? Um, <laughs> what do you generally think about that? Like, you don't have to necessarily talk about Bobby, but just like, you know, as a producer who have kind of been on both sides of like, you know, um, being not that hot and then being the guy, um, do you feel like producers don't want to get their, their natural due? Or do you think producers be tweaking? They be charging too much. <laughs> like, Shout out to Bobby. You know what I'm saying? That's my boy. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like it's gotta pay producers, man. Shit, like you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like what we were just talking about. Like, if a producer just getting paid off upfront checks and like publishing and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And if you believe in your record, just pay the producers. Okay, say and you gotta you gotta support your producers, man. When the producers happy, they're gonna keep flooding you with that shit. You know what I'm saying? They they might give you that. You know what I'm saying? Like, say you working with somebody and they just generally just don't have the budget. Let's say it's an independent artist, and they're like, yo. We could bust this shit down, down the middle, um, and um, you, you could get half the royalties. 
but but I don't really got no money. I don't really got that. I don't know. You probably charge 50, 100 bands now. Like, I don't got that money. But we can split the royalty. If you believe in the record, I believe oh, yeah. in the record. We split in everything. If I believe in the record, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's figure out a way to make it happen because that's what we're doing. We're all we're all here just creating and trying to like go with stuff that we believe in and what we're passionate about at the end of the day. So it's like, yeah, if I believe in it and I fuck with you and you're upcoming, like let's let's work it out. Let's do it. Mm. What artists you have to work with yet that um you're hoping to work with like probably the next one or two years? Um, I definitely want to do like more stuff with Ye. I definitely want to do something with Hove. And like maybe like Beyonce Rihanna. Mm. I feel like I work with a lot of people. So it's like whenever I get asked that question, I'm always like, oh, I don't know, you know? I don't be dope. I don't even know if she's doing music no more though. Like, but, but also, I right, put like this. So say Rihanna comes. Wait, you said, wait, what'd you say? What'd you say? I don't know if she's oh. still doing music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I should she, she might drop something. You no. never know. Yeah, was, well, I think at some point she was just, I don't think it's at the forefront of her mind. She just, just became a billionaire with some makeup. Like she's good. Hey, yeah. um, say Rihanna does come to you, right? And and I'm wondering this as a general question. I'm just using her as an example. And allegedly she was on some reggae vibes, right? Because that's apparently what her next album is supposed to be. If she comes to you and she's like, yo, I want you to kind of like make me something. And it might not be like exactly what you, you're you comfortable making. I don't know if you're comfortable making like reggae stuff or whatever, but she kind of just gives you an idea, but she wants it with your flip. How do you approach that? Do you just kind of like bring another producer that maybe be down with um, making those type of beats and just kind of collaborate or you just fucking bunker down and just like figure it out and just make some shit. I might try a thing myself and see how it goes and then maybe send it to a producer that's under like that, like style music or something, or like maybe just hit someone up and collaborate, like you said, you know, but I'm definitely going to figure it out. <laughs> tell you that. Now, for a Rihanna feature, you better figure it out. You better. And, and, that's, and that's even like the last like few years, like I've just been kind of having fun with it. Like during COVID, I, I worked on Ariana Grande's out of music with her her last album and stuff and like we were like working over facetime and stuff and then we're working in the studio it's just like just doing different stuff i did a, i did a record with her and doja cat like motive it's like a disco dance record just like different stuff having fun with it then like my mom's freaking out about oh my god you work with ariana grande and stuff you know what i'm saying just having fun with it man like i never want to be put in the box i always want to be i always want people to remember me as like someone who can make all music you know yeah 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 no, that's crazy. Yeah, it says here also you also produced the official song for the NBA Finals and the official theme song for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, still gonna break you off with nigga. What the fuck? I'm in, my, I'm in my sports bag right now. Like for the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of stuff with ESPN. Um, so Wait, yeah, agency up with that? Like, how do you get? How do you get that? Like, is it like your agency? Like, how how, how does that work? Um, just like. Honestly, just like, you know, my um, my manager, Corey, just staying open to relationships and stuff and then just opportunities just pop in. You know what I'm saying? People see me like especially like the commercial stuff like that. That's like super commercial. They see me as like a mainstream name. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, what I'm saying if they know someone in my corner and stuff, they're going to try to get get me to make them a cool record for the for like TV or something, you know? Mm. Hey, um, you, you know, you say you grew up like kind of like watching. um you know, uh, a lot of the Chicago rappers and you wanted to collaborate with them as well. Um, thinking how we fast forward into the future to now, we're like, man, Dirk is like one of the biggest artists. Is like, would you do crazy. like- It's crazy, right? 
it's amazing to see, man. We did Gas and Mud over 10 years ago. And, and like, and like Dirk never got the recognition that he deserved. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was always like, yo, this guy's working. This guy works so hard and drops so consistently and drops all this music. But like everyone knew it was just a matter of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, he's going to get his. And like, he, he did, you know? And right before, right before he really, he dropped the, the Drake stuff. I, I released a record, Banana Split with a YNW Million Little Dirk too. Mm. Yeah, so, so you definitely lock in with him. Like if the opportunity came around for, for you and him to do like a fucking like just join tape together. Oh, for sure. We were talking about it a few years ago and stuff. But yeah, no, Dirk, Dirk's super fire, man. Shout out to Dirk. Shit, that would be fucking fire, man. So pretty much you said, where's the next places you're headed to? I'm going to Atlanta for a few days and then Brazil. Atlanta and Brazil. How is it in Brazil? I've never been to Brazil. Okay. It's pretty good. It's pretty lit out there. It's cool. It's, it's a nice country and stuff. Beautiful. Um, I went over and I, I went and saw like the Jesus statue and shit last time I was there. That shit's crazy, man. Oh, that's where it's that, that big ass statue? Yeah, the one in Call of Duty, you know? <laughs> but, but yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that shit is going up there and like driving through all the, like, the favelas, past the favelas, up into the mountain to the top. And then there's like being at that Jesus statue. It's a lot of energy up there, man. I was like, this might be the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yo, that's where your girl's from, right? She's from Brazil. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you meet her? Don't tell me about her. I, I met her like last year in Miami. Oh, Miami. Okay, 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 okay. But you like Brazil? Yeah. I've never. Yo, Brazil just feels long as fuck to get to, man. However, it's, when you look at the population wise, how many people are in Brazil? I don't even know. Is it? I know it's like one of the like biggest countries. Period. Yeah. And they're like, I feel like Brazil is like what I've seen so far is like, they're very like in tune with like social media and like people, like everyone's got like really big followings out there and stuff. I remember, uh, I think it was Brazil or maybe it was Argentina, but like Drake did a song with one of them, with one of those artists down there. And he did, he did a Brazilian song, put it on SoundCloud or something, right? Yeah, no, no, it's out. It's called, it's called El Tipo de something, whatever. And I remember listening to it and I was like, this song sounds fire, whether it's in English or Spanish. You know what I mean? He obviously just rapped in English, but it's just, just fire. This is why I'm just saying, like, music is just so fucking international. That's the thing, though. Like, recently, like, I've just been, like, bumping, like, like I've been bumping, like, Rosalia album or, like, Balvin's album or, like, and, like, I'm just, like, you know, like, I don't even know what they're saying, but this shit's so fire. Like, it's just hard. You know what I'm saying? So that's where it's, like, I'm just opening my mind. I just want to make a bunch of different music right now. I'm definitely going to, like, I'm probably going to come back with a street record, you know what I'm saying? Something for the streets right after this, you know what I'm saying? But shit, I mean, the, 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 the hotel lobby shit for the streets, nigga. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like, also, you made a great point with, like, the trap, like, you know, trap going, like, international. Because if you listen to some of the, even the music that, um, you know, like the beats that like, whether it's Bad Bunny or other people there, like, you know, singing or rapping over whatever you want to call it. It's not that different that, than what we hear artists over here rap on. It's just that they, because they're them, they take it a different direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's not that you would have to necessarily make a whole different genre. It's like, everybody likes trap right now. Kind of. They used to call it Latin trap. Yeah. No, real shit. Yeah, you're right. That's what no. I'm saying, man. Trap influence in everything. You know, so yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. Yo, listen, man, I'm, I'm gonna let you get out of here, brother. Uh, I know they told me you didn't have too much time. Yo, yeah. when, when you backstage sides, man, um, I, I want to connect with you. We should definitely lock in. You know, I definitely want to um get that in studio interview with you where you can play me some records. That I could get some preview. Yeah. 
We got to link up, man. It's been a minute. You know, it's I been know. a long time. Well, you're all over the fucking place now. I don't even got my passport right now. I'm supposed to leave the country soon, and I don't have a passport. You got to get that, man. Yeah, I'm going to work. You got to get your passport. Because yeah, once you start traveling and shit, like, like, well, I, had one. I'm, yo, I was born in Jamaica, so I, I had one. It's just oh. that, like, it's expired. I like, only no. ever had one. I never, like, renewed it. So yeah. it expired, and now I got to go through the whole process. Which I'm yeah. just, you got to get that, man, because traveling and stuff, it just opens your mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, any last things to add, brother? No miles out now. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Let's get it. Um, well, by the way, uh, the last question regarding to that song, do you look at the international charts or the billboard charts? I don't even know, man. I don't even look at the charts. I just, I just keep God first and keep going. There we go. There we go. All right, my guy. Listen, man, people, it's been um, DJ Academics. It's been uh, Murder on the Beats, and um, it's been off the record. Thank you guys for watching. We're out of here. All right, man. Take care.